The Word is for everyone. It's alive and active, filled with wisdom, truth, and hope. Understanding and interpreting its pages can seem overwhelming, but this podcast is here to help. This is Unschooled and Ordinary. Hey, Happy New Year, and thanks for tuning in to the Unschooled and Ordinary podcast. We are kicking off 2024 in a unique way with a two-part episode around prayer and fasting. So episode one will focus on prayer, and episode two will focus on fasting. So we are entering into an important season in the life of our church, one that we call 21 Days of Prayer. Our prayer is that this podcast will equip you and enrich your experience in 21 Days of Prayer. We've got an important tool for you that will help you do that. It's linked in the show notes. It's our Venture Church Prayer and Fasting Guide. And man, it is chock full of scripture references and practical tips to help enrich your experience as we grow together in prayer and in fasting. We're excited to have Blake Houston join us on both of these episodes. Blake's our Gulf Coast campus pastor and just brings a lot of insight into both of these topics. These episodes are a lot of fun. Man, it's our prayer that they will enrich your time in God's word and that they will enrich your 21 days of prayer experience. We can't wait for you to join us. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Unschooled and Ordinary podcast. We are in part two of a two-part series on prayer and fasting. And as we approach 21 days of prayer, we felt like this would be perfect timing. We also have Blake Houston back with us. Blake, what's up? Yo, yo, it's good to be back. I get to come back for the second time. Thought y'all were going to kick me out of the first time. <laughs> no, we love you. He did such a great job. You can fill in for me anytime. <laughs> ben. Running true to fashion. What's the question for you today? Let me get, get it kicked off. Yeah, get it okay. kicked off, please. I thought I would pose um, a really entertaining question. <laughs> Every time this question gets asked in house church, it's really entertaining. I'm nervous. So the question is, what is your biggest pet peeve? Ooh. What is your biggest pet peeve? While y'all are thinking about that, I'll add some commentary to that. <laughs> of course you will. It's fascinating that in house church, when we ask that question kind of as an icebreaker, that everyone always chooses something that their spouse does that's a pet peeve. And you don't even have to pose it that way, but it becomes really entertaining. So well, that's really foreign to me because <laughs> I just can't, I can't relate to that. Nancy loves everything yeah. about you, Love right? you, baby. Yeah. Uh, well, I can start. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Whit. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, everybody that does this annoys me, but I did, I think figure it out about a week after we got married. Um, gulping noises when you drink really bother me. <laughs> and uh, Whit knows this, but specifically him and chocolate milk, like we're not friends when he drinks chocolate milk because I don't know something about it's real thick going down. <laughs> um, that made me cringe. I know, it's disgusting, right? Um, people who smack when they eat. We just said one, Brandy. I was like, no, but see, Ben is also doing another one. Do it again clicking noises or any kind of repetitive noise for no reason. Okay, I, I'm done for now. Tyler just motioned sure? to me and said, put the pen yeah, down. Please. You sound like you could keep going. I could, Sorry. but I'm going to be quiet unless somebody else talks. <laughs> I can't be the only person with pet peeves. Okay. 
I'll be the one to to Thank break you. the spouse ice as well. With Thank you, Blake. Like because you had mentioned it. Uh, the first thing, my first pet peeve is getting asked, "What is my pet peeve?" Oh, mm. come on. I'm just kidding. Uh, but really, <laughs> come on. My my next one is uh, so I love my bride. She's amazing. She does this thing to where she will make like uh, some chips, like uh, nacho chips or something, mm. and we'll put cheese on them, put them in the microwave, and call them like nachos. <laughs> Because they're not really. Because <laughs> I don't know. But then, like, well, I'll be sitting in the chair, and she'll come over to the uh, couch right beside me. It is dead quiet in the house. Kids are asleep, <laughs> and she cranks on those tortilla chips. <laughs> it's mouth I'm like, noises, no, right? I, can't. I just, I literally, the past three times she's done it, I just haven't said a word. Stood up, went to bed. <laughs> Maybe she's doing it on purpose. That's probably what she's doing. She's no. like, if I go sit by him, he'll he'll, he'll go leave. Sleep. Yeah, yeah. He'll get out I of can here. have a long time. That's right. I see you, Lauren. <laughs> Got the living room on my sister. That's Because right. <laughs> it's right in it. Like she doesn't go across the living room. It's right next to me, and I'm like, that's it. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Angie, you're sitting quiet over there. Yeah, I'm gonna be nice. Quiet and nervous. She's <laughs> too kind. No, um, I think honestly, the thing that drives me crazy the most is. When I try to go to Walmart, and if you're in the aisle and you just leave your buggy parked in the middle, mm-hmm. and I can't go around you on one side or the other because it's in the middle, yeah. and you're standing right in the way, and and clearly like somebody needs to get by and you don't care, that will like for some reason set me off. I just get so mad. Did you just move the buggy? I just turn my buggy around and stomp <laughs> off the other way. I mean, <laughs> what are you supposed stomp. to do? <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. Bumper cards. Yeah. I feel yeah. That. Tyler? Well, I've got a new one since Angie's story. When I'm sitting uh, in the parking lot and I, I just want to park somewhere, but somebody's waiting on a spot to open. Mm. So it's like park, walk, <laughs> just walk. Let's just walk into the store. Get out of my way. But I have to wait on them to find the best spot. Ugh. Mm. Mm. Patience. What's Patience. Patience. Patience is your pet peeve. <laughs> I'm not good at it. I have several rolling through my, my mind. I'm really good at recognizing them in the moment. Like that, that's yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's hard to, to for me to think about. Um, hard for me to think about what they are. But the first one that came to my mind is we have at, at our house. The floor is that uh, lava. Vinyl, <laughs> we, we play that game. We do play that game. But the floor is that vinyl yeah. floor. And so when stuff falls on it, like the remote. I don't know how we drop the remote so much at my house, but like when it falls on it, it mm. just sets me off. Like it's so loud, I can hear it, and it's just constant. It's mm. not really constant, but it's just yeah. there's something about that noise. I and feel like falling. noise is a big theme, mm. and that's a great segue into the topic today. <laughs> is it? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was with you. I, thought I, was I, was I was so proud for a moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm not connecting those dots. But as we get into this conversation about fasting today, question, does God hear us more when we're hungry? Hmm. Physically or hungry for him? <laughs> no, not like that. Like, like when we have denied ourselves food, hmm. is God drawn to us more? What do y'all think? I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) So do you tell I'll tell you my first gut reaction, but then I'm sure someone's going to have a better answer. Um, But I want to say no. 
I just feel like we are probably more attuned when we are hungry because then there's more like need for mm. God. Mm. But it's okay if that's wrong. Y'all can do No, that. that's a great answer. <laughs> Good job, Brandy. check mark by Brandy's answer. That's, yeah. what was, I that's what like I was right. thinking. Thanks yeah. for being our spokesman. Okay, yeah. thanks. <laughs> I was We're really nervous. Uh, <laughs> I think hunger is a byproduct of, a, of another thing that takes place, which is the removal of anything that could cloud you. So it's yeah. not so much like, oh, God sees hungry. He's like, oh, we're really going to listen in on this, you know, now. And as much as it is, hunger is a realization that now we are more open. You know, mm-hmm. we're not as, um, whether that's medicated, like things that we're, you know, bringing in um, to kind of cope with our reality or anything like that. Um, when we move all that to the side, it kind of like opens that back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. How does it say, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart? All of your heart, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think fasting plays into that. I think we s- said it last week that fasting is a way to pray with your body, mm-hmm. uh, which is weird for us in the 21st century because we would consider ourselves thinking beings. We've all heard the saying, I think, therefore I am. Mm-hmm. And to us, it, it kind of seems like a foreign concept that we can draw closer to God, not with our minds, but with our stomach. Mm. But when we look at Scripture, we see that fasting is, is not only something that is taught, but is something that oftentimes goes hand in hand with prayer. And for thousands of years, Christians have practiced fasting, but we're in this weird period of time in culture where we don't practice it as, as much. We don't have a whole lot of conversations about fasting. Mm. Yeah, and why is that? Because I read where... I think it's because we're rich in America, but whatever. Maybe. Sorry. <laughs> no, I read where fasting is talked about 77 times in the Bible, and baptism is only talked about 75 times, mm. but there's so much more emphasis on baptism. Wow. So why is that? Because one's easier than the other. <laughs> Truth. And we might just not have like a full scope of what fasting is. You know, I think for me at least, I came out of a... A certain background, part of which I'm incredibly thankful for, another part which just didn't give me language around fasting. It, it wasn't part of a spiritual exercise. It wasn't part of a discipline uh, that we were a part of. It was just kind of cast over to the wayside. It was kind of in that like mystical area of Christianity that you never went over and touched. You know? For the super spiritual. Yeah, for the super spiritual people that you didn't really talk to. And um, for the rest of us, you know, there was Chick-fil-A. And so... I, that's been a, it's been a new journey for me to try to figure out you know fasting. Uh, one thing that I have personally been on a journey with this past year um, has been coming to terms with my self indulgence, mm-hmm. uh, specifically around food and specifically around like things that will will dampen the senses spiritually uh, in me and just think that I'm just living like a, a great life. And I I think for so many of us we're so used to a certain stasis of just like an, a way of existing mm-hmm. that we don't recognize that there's another level uh, that fasting can be a tool from. I heard this quote one time. It said, self-indulgence is the enemy of gratitude. Uh, and self-discipline usually is its friend. A person's appetites are linked. Full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge from our hunger and the thirst for righteousness. They spoil the appetite for God. And I think that that has been my story for so long where I was so, I was like, I mean, you joked about it earlier, Tyler, but it's true. We are so full and content 
with what we have mm-hmm. and what we can have at any point we can go get it that the gift of excuse me the gift of fasting is the opportunity to reconnect in with our need for Christ and our hunger and our thirst for God and, and that's the key element that I discovered in the past year and it's just been it's been profound and I think if we did it more and we all experienced the benefits of that, that closeness that you receive through it, we would talk about it more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be part of our natural teaching and conversation because more of us would have experienced what he intended us to through it. I think it's important when we talk about fasting for to, to understand like the, the biblical definition literally means to go without food, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I know for a long time I would place other things there and might be abstaining from something for a period mm-hmm. of time. But so when, when we are having this discussion and um, challenging and next steps as it relates to fasting, I think that's something to, to just kind of keep in mind. That's what we're talking about literally is to go without food um, for a period of time. So just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, and some, some benefits of fasting, I think we can see in the book of Romans. Brandy, would you read that for us? Yeah. Romans chapter... 8, verse 6 says, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Yeah, so we see this, this tug of war within us. We have our flesh, and then we have the spirit of God. When you think about your flesh, this is... Uh, any, any desire that you want derives from your flesh. So if you, if you stop and think, okay, what is, the, what is the most basic way for me to feed my flesh? It's when I'm hungry, I eat. So if you can begin to practice the discipline of fasting to deny your flesh what it wants on a very basic level, then you can, well, one, you begin to starve your flesh and... In turn, you begin to feed the spirit, and you're also opening opening yourself to be controlled by the spirit, so that when there are other things in the spiritual realm that you have been a slave to, the spirit now works on your behalf. You have starved your flesh, you have fed the spirit, or are actively feeding feeding the spirit, and you gain control over things that have mastered you. Mm. Blake, what was that quote you read to us earlier? Yeah, so this was a concept that, that I came around and, and learned more about whenever um, I was diving more into fasting. And it says, fasting is a gift that God gives to us in order to wage war against the things we're being mastered by. Mm. And for me, that just, it hit so close to home uh, because for so long, fasting never had a purpose. And I think, whenever somebody's in, interested in engaging in fasting, that understanding that there needs to be a purpose tied alongside that fasting. Like if you're just saying, well, I'm going to fast because I, I'm supposed to, to be a good Christian, or I'm going to fast because of X, Y, and Z, then you're going to find yourself really hungry mm-hmm. for not a lot no of reason. reason yeah. No reason. And that, that leads to just being put down, at least feeling worse. But like if you have the purpose of recognizing, hey, there's something in my life that's mastering me, mm-hmm. and that thing is not Christ. And then I'm going to use the gift and the tool of fasting to wage a war against it uh, f- for the sake of like opening myself back up to the, to the spirit. Yeah, I want to um, lean on that phrase, wage war there, that our buddy Gray Strickland would really appreciate. I, that I, I put that one for him, yeah, that's, for yeah. sure. That's wrestling language. Yes, <laughs> that is wrestling language. Amazing. But in, in Matthew 4, 
you know, where when Jesus is tempted on the backside of his fast for 40 days, right? Um, I've kind of always thought about that, of, of about Satan coming at him and tempting him when he was weak. But then I read this in our prayer and fasting guide, which is a phenomenal resource mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll link to. Um, and man, we really encourage you guys to, to check it out. But so I, I'm going to read it to you. It says, what if, however, Jesus was actually at the height of his spiritual power at the end of his 40 day fast? And so, like, I have read that passage and heard that story and think, like, man, how, how weak must, mm-hmm. must he feel? But then he was still able to overcome that temptation. It says, it goes on to say, even though his body may have been weak, his soul was strong as a result of deep connection and communion with his heavenly father. With that type of strength and power, Jesus would have been the most prepared to take on Satan and differentiate between the lies of the enemy and the truth of God. And so, like, right, exactly what you're talking about, Blake, about a tool to wage war um, against the enemy. We, we have a tendency to think that when it comes to fa- things like fasting or, or sacrifice of any form, that that, that is a, a weak-handed approach to faith. Mm-hmm. That, it's, that it's, you know, just saying, all right, fine, you know, I'll give this up and live the passive life. Uh, but we talked, going back into violence language for Gray, um, you know, you, you hear the <laughs> verse all the time that says, you know, that the kingdom of God advances by violence and the violence takes it by force, you know. But so so often we think that that violence that they're talking about is extrinsic, like it's, it's out there violent against someone else. But what if it's violence inside on the things that are putting us to sleep, the things that are keeping us, you know, underneath kind of hazy in our lives, like violently pulling against those things, railing against those things to get back to the creator because sin wants to bring us. It, you know, it's like God in the very beginning in Genesis says, sin is crouching at the door, mm-hmm. he told Cain, and is waiting on your move to see what you're going to do, but it's waiting right there. And fasting is a way to be able to engage violently against those things that would want to crouch and surprise us, uh, to be proactive against them mm-hmm. and say, I'd rather you know, go without for the sake of, of leaning in. Because well, I think it requires you to be uncomfortable. Like that sin can attack and attach to us when we stay comfortable. You talked about the things that put us to sleep. That's mm. comfortable. I like to sleep. But we have to do something like make our bodies be physically hungry in order to become uncomfortable to see those sinful things that have attached to us. And that's the purpose. Mm-hmm. Tyler, you, you've taught me more um, about fasting than probably anybody that just in conversation and and uh, so man what, what what would you say how would you encourage somebody if this is a new step in their journey um, I mean what's it practically you know like what is, what does it look like what where do you, where how do you start what do you what do you do throughout the day you know how do I, when I'm when I'm hungry or would be time to go eat like what what do I, what do I do what's that look like if I want to give this a shot yeah, well, I would start by saying that this isn't about legalism. I think this is obedience to the teachings of Christ. Mm. Uh, I think it was Tozer that said when the church begins to say that obedience is legalism, it is at the height of its... Uh, oh, man, I lost it. It was there, and it left me. Yeah, we'll come back. It's going to come back to me before we end. <laughs> But anyway, we, we can't confuse legalism with just 
obedience mm-hmm. to Scripture. Mm-hmm. And if we don't understand fasting, it's okay. We still need to practice it. And in the practice of it, we get to experience the benefits of it and realize it. You know, probably probably start somewhere. Um, you probably don't want to start off with a 21-day fast. I've never fasted before, but I'm finna go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, that seems to be a theme in the new year. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. we're going all in. Yeah, New Year's resolution. Yeah. I've never all done it, but I'm about to that's right. do it every day of my so life. So that's okay? It's okay to not dive in head first for 21, yeah. 21 day fast? Yeah, okay. which is hard for me because I'm usually all or nothing with things, and then I don't stick with anything at all. But you could start with an intermittent fast where you fast for 16 hours. Like, you could start at 8 p.m., sleep half of that time, and then eat lunch. That that's a that's a sixteen hour fast. That's somewhere to start. It is you you are beginning to deny yourself. Hedonism, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Hedonism. Can you put that back in the quote yeah. now? Can so you finish I got the quote context. now? Yeah. <laughs> now put it all together. Oh, yeah. oh man. Sixteen hours. Hedonism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Just be happy you don't live with me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when the church confuses obedience with legalism, it is at the height of its hedonism. There it is. Good Tozer job. said that. Nice. <laughs> now I can continue with my yeah. thoughts. 16 <laughs> there hours. We go. Back there we go. That. Back to 16 hours. But I, I think a big part of it is getting your mind wrapped around the why of this. Mm-hmm. Because Scripture tells us that we're not supposed to be mastered by anything. And I... Definitely don't want to be mastered by sin, but the reality of it is I am. But when I fast, I begin to gain power over that. So getting your mind wrapped around that, reading books on fasting have helped me a lot. We'll link those in the resources. Watching YouTube videos on the importance of fasting. Anytime I'm going to fast, I try to wrap my mind around the benefits of Mm -hmm. it and focus on the potential outcomes instead of dwelling on my hunger. You'll also realize when you fast that your typical eating windows, you are going to get hungry. If you always wake up and eat, best believe you're going to wake up and be hungry. At lunchtime, you're going to be hungry. But if you take that time to do something, pray, go for a walk, think about your life, whatever, that hunger is is going to go away. It just naturally does. It stays for a moment, and then it passes. So in, in, in that time when you get hungry, recognizing, okay, this is my flesh. This is where the battle is. I am gaining ground mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So so having good perspective is usually what helps me when, when I do a fast. And I would also say fasting is so good for our health. In the West, man, we are so unhealthy and we're always sick all the time. I know there's this couple in Stone County that uh, they have recently started practicing fasting and their health metrics have benefited in every single way. Mm -hmm. And they rave about it because they are seeing the health benefits of what happens when they fast. So there's one element that I want to add to because we've talked a lot about the intrinsic benefits of fasting and they are, I mean, there's tons. One thing that we need to remember as well is that fasting does work on the world as much as it does work on us as well. Like when we enter into a a state of self-denial through fasting and tie that in with prayer, that 
God gives us agency as his creation to affect change in the world. That's right. Like to release the kingdom into the places where we're at. So I don't want us to think that, you know, as we go into fasting or into 21 days that, you know, it's just our own little self-contained world that, that we're making better, you know, and, and all of those things are, are certainly true, but there is an element with which God has decided to partner with us as his, as his children to affect change in the, in the world for the kingdom mm-hmm. um, through the act of self-denial. I mean, the ultimate act of self-denial was the cross, right? And what Christ gave on the cross, we get to join in on that work by adding to it with our self-denial. And, you know, that's what Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Paul in Romans 12 says, make your life a living sacrifice. The, this is this ulti- This is just a really good tool. To use. Yeah. I love Andrew Murray said this, he said, fasting helps express, deepen, and confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. And I just, I mean, that's a, that gets me ready to roll, man. I, I, mm-hmm. I love hearing about that because it, it's releasing the kingdom into the world. Absolutely. Heard a quote a while back that said, we don't retreat from the world, we retreat for the world. And with with prayer and fasting, like you said, we are being employed as agents into the world. It's, this is this is going to benefit people around us. Mm-hmm. Hey, I had another thought going back to uh, the prayer chapter that we were in last week in Matthew six. Right after that, you know, we talked about how they're connected. I love that we start with prayer in chapter six and then it rolls straight into fasting after that. I don't think that was a coincidence. Um, but it also talks about fasting in secret so that it is not seen by others. And then it says that same thing that we talked about last week, because your father who is in secret will see and will reward you, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that's another part of fasting that we sometimes forget too. is, I mean, there is some very specific language in here. Um, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for, they disfigure their faces so that their fasting may be seen by others. Uh, well, they have already received their reward is what it says. Yep. And for us, go ahead and be normal is what it says, <laughs> basically, uh, so that your fasting isn't seen by others. Because it's not, while what it can produce is helpful for others, the point is not for us to like broadcast that's it right. to others. Right. Because then that wouldn't be working on what's in my heart. That's right. And that's hard that's really to good. remember. Yeah, and also, like, as we move into this 21 days um, as a church family, I just want to encourage everybody to maybe check out Isaiah 58 and um, I think it's Zechariah 7 because they kind of mirror each other in God's heart in in reminding us what a true fast looks like to God. Like, it, all of these things are important, and this is how you do it, and we should honor what is expected of us, but also with the right heart behind it because— we can read about in Zechariah where where these guys are, are coming to him and he's saying, hey, look, the Lord is telling me to tell you, are you really fasting for the right reasons? Because for 70 years while they were in exile, they instituted these four fasts that really weren't to, like commanded by God. He commanded one day of fasting on the Day of Atonement. But they instituted these four additional days that they kept for 70 years. And so when things started rolling along and the the temple was being rebuilt, they basically wanted to know, do we have to do this anymore? Mm -hmm. And their response God gave them was, are you, were you even doing it for me? I mean, like, look at your heart because while you're doing this thing, 
you were being so oppressive to the widows. You were you were you were hateful to each other. You were mean spirited. You were like all of these things that that were not coming from a true heart for the Lord is what he was looking at. So fasting, yes, it's great, but I don't think we can fast and expect God to honor that and then live terribly and treat people without love. Right. So just kind of a reminder and maybe a good study would be to look at those two chapters as we enter into how we're going to fast and what that looks like for our 21 days. Yeah, that's a great word of wisdom right there. We want to do the right thing for the right reasons, yeah. not the right thing for the wrong re- reasons, kind of like the Pharisees and the fasting in Matthew chapter 6. Mm-hmm. So we just want to, uh, one, we hope that this conversation helps and is an encouragement to you. And we just want to challenge you to try to practice a fast sometime within these 21 days. If you've never fasted before, you may not re- want to go for 21 but you may want to try 21 hours and just start somewhere and begin to see the Spirit of God gain ground in your life. So, hey, we want to thank you all for being with us today. We enjoyed it, and we will catch you next time. Peace. Unschooled and Ordinary is an original podcast from Venture Church. While this podcast is great for individual study, the Word really comes alive when we talk about it and apply it to our lives in House Church. House churches are small groups of believers gathered in homes for a meal, scripture study, discipleship, and prayer in a trusted community of faith. They meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. in homes throughout South Mississippi, and you can join anytime. To find a house church near you, visit venturechurch.org slash housechurch.